In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt, and this is Ideal Remake. Welcome to Ideal Remake, and the one difference between you and me is that we make this podcast look good. Jesus. Thank you all for listening today, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Brett, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. I'm uh, Brett Mercer. I'm talking to you from my apartment. This is my studio, I guess, for today. Uh, I'm a stand-up comic from Detroit. Super funny comedian from Detroit. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I didn't want to say it, but... uh... Yeah, my favorite part of being back here is seeing the new comedians that you guys all started while I was in LA, or at least I I don't know if you did. Or not, right? Yeah, <laughs> because you guys you, all seem so much better than just having been doing it for like four years or whatever. But holy shit, you guys are fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's been great having you back because yeah, yeah, you left before before I started. I was like aware that you were a Detroit comedian and everything, but yeah, we hadn't. I hadn't started before you before you moved out there. So it makes me so mad that you guys are all that good that early. On. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I love and hate it at the same time. Like every time you guys, and I should say that you host the Big Time Garbage podcast with Blaine and Ray. Uh, yes also Detroit comedians also super super funny funny guys and uh, I hate watching you guys every time you're on stage <laughs> it's like fuck these guys and yeah, you guys all seem like when I left everyone I think I've said this on stage before when I left everyone seemed like they were accountants or you know just like <laughs> teachers or whatever and I was like hey I'm the cool guy because I wear t-shirts and you guys all fucking look cool on top of it so uh. <laughs> yeah my hoodie and jeans combination is carefully picked out every time I go on stage right <laughs> now which of my three different hoodies will I I'd be wearing today. Hmm. Today, right, I'm feeling red tonight. I, you know, I'm feeling powerful. I was gonna say today feels like a maroon day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have hoodies too, but I just look like a guy in his forties trying to look young. I mean, is that or is that not the case? This means I've never had a real job. <laughs> <laughs> real jobs are for suckers. Spe- yeah. Speaking of real jobs, a real tough job to have would be to be a man in black. It would Ooh. be very tough. Yes. Segway. Check out that segue. Well, yeah. Nice. So, Brett, what made you decide Men in Black? Well, it was like. uh it was like my favorite movie like when I was a kid. We had like zero movies in our house except for Men in Black and like Jurassic Park and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So those are like really the only three movies that I that I truly know. Your parents were like, we'll only own VHS tapes from the 90s? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess so. They were never really. I mean, not that, not that there's anything wrong with those three. Those are three great movies. Oh yeah, depending on which yeah, Ninja yeah, Turtles but... movie it is. Uh, the first one. Okay. <laughs> Which I would ideally want to remake, but that seems like it's been remade like four times. Yeah, that yeah, one's rough. Nah. I'll go to the, the one of the other movies that I've seen. One of the other of the five movies that I've seen. I had to preface I had to preface this to Mike before he asked me. I was like, look, I need to let you know I know absolutely nothing about movies. But uh <laughs> No, it's gonna be great. Now here's my question for you about men in black, since I don't know that well. Uh, how old are you, Brett? I apologize. Uh twenty eight. Twenty eight. So we're roughly the same age, which means when you were a kid, did you watch the Men in Black animated TV show? <laughs> I did. I, saw, I think I saw a few episodes. Uh, I never. I didn't really keep up with it. No. When I was growing up, I loved that show. Like that was one of my yeah. favorite TV shows, and one of my favorite villains of all time is from that show. Really? Yeah. Who, who, who was that? There was this character named Alpha who had been a former Men in Black agent. His name had been A or Alpha or whatever. And uh, his thing was he went around to all the different aliens and he stole different body parts of theirs because he was constructing oh. his own perfect alien monster body oh that's a, that's incredible that's like a, a frankenstein type situation yeah he was frankenstein i was thinking himself. franken hooker 
But <laughs> I mean, we don't. I mean, he could have stolen that part of the body too. But basically, oh, we should remake the movie Frankenhooker sometimes. That's a good there's a movie called Frankenhooker. Wait, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. Mike, neither of us Frank- have heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> Franken sex worker. That would be the 2018 remake. I'm looking yes, this up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Frankenhooker is. I remember it being a very fun movie, and then someone in the past week posted on Facebook that they just watched it and were surprised mm-hmm. at how much of a female, like an empowering female movie, it actually is. And well, hold on, watch it. Who said that? Like, was it was it a guy or a girl that said that? Uh, a woman said that. Oh, okay. Well, then I can trust her opinion. <laughs> I, I remember only watching it when I was a teenager, hoping to see boobs. This is a real movie that exists. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm looking it up over here. What the what the hell? I <laughs> I don't understand. Why does this you know exist? Should, you know who should play the doctor in the remake of Frankenhooker is uh is Al Franken. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> he needs the work these days too, so poor Al <laughs> yeah, Franken. The whole, yeah. Um uh, speaking of the Men in Black cartoon, Vincent D'Onofrio did the voices of all the bug aliens in the cartoon as well too. Did he? Because he's so good. He's by far the best part of Men in Black. I mean... I watched a video of him talking about how he found the Edgar Bug character. Of He went past a sporting goods store, saw leg braces for basketball, and just kind of put those on and taped up his ankles so they wouldn't move. And then once he found the walk, he found the rest of the movement and wanted the character to sound like George C. Scott, but George C. Scott talked too fast. So he combined George C. Scott with the rhythm of John Huston. And just all the work that Vincent D'Onofrio put into playing this comic book movie villain just made me love Vincent D'Onofrio so much more. Well, one of my favorite facts about this movie is that Vincent D'Onofrio was so good at playing Edgar and playing like the bug that the actual like animatronic bug that they'd gotten for the final scene, they couldn't use anymore because his movements were better than the the robot bug thing that they'd gotten. So they were forced to CGI a bug instead because it was the only thing that could compete with how good Vincent D'Onofrio was. Wow. Yeah. It was it was jarring to see he looked awful throughout the entire movie, like like real, real bad. Well his skin is slowly and, rotting, which is super cool. Like his yeah. skin gets subsequently worse throughout the movie because it's literally rotting off his body. That's such there was that was one thing that like rewatching it I was surprised held up so well is how great a lot of like these aliens looked and like all the the effects. I don't know, were they practicals? I don't know if they were special or practical, but it was a combination which I thought was really neat because this is like two years before the Phantom Menace where George Lucas was doing his whole experiment with Jar Jar wanting to have a computer, a a CG character exist with humans. But when you look at aliens like the Mikey alien that is a combination of a person in a suit and a CG alien. And I think for the Will Smith video, it's all CG, Mikey. The special effects in this are great. Like George Lucas isn't the pioneer that I thought he was. Like, Men in Black is fucking awesome. Well, then here's my question for you guys. I don't know if, Mike, you looked this up ahead of time. What do you think the budget for this movie was? $90 million? I totally guess. I didn't just look it up at all. Ah, uh, Mike. <laughs> was that it? Was it $90 million? It was $90 million. Like the whole the, the wow. whole point is the, the the last time I had this like I guessed seventeen million I was trying to guess twenty and it's ninety million which was the highest budget for a movie like this like up to that point that was really? the most expensive movie until I think like two years wow. later when uh, Star Wars blew it out of the water because and it's on a ra- random alien comedy yeah based on a malibu comic i mean it's not even a dc or a marvel comic i think malibu may have been part of marvel it was Uh, okay but yeah it's like not a hit comic book (laughs) a hit movie yeah that's like that's one of the things that was striking to me about like like thinking about this in a 2018 context like a, a story like this would never be like endowed with so much money and so much trust you know it would be like yeah it would probably be like a, a remake of something today well right. that that is and that is not true 
I mean, the whole concept of, well, no, first of all, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, but like, because a lot of the, a lot of these cool movie concepts that keep getting made is like, oh, there's a secret society just under the surface and no one knows that it exists. And then here all of a sudden it is. I mean, I don't know what the first one of those movies was, but this, I think, was the first one with aliens, which was cool. I mean, the, the Neil Gaiman book Neverwhere basically does that. The new, I mean, even the most recently, the new Mummy movie, uh, did that, which was really upsetting for me because it was very similar to a script I've written, which is much better. Mike can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, your monster script is so good. That Tom Cruise Mummy movie was a pile of shit. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't see it. Sounds like a real, <laughs> so, sounds like a real waste of time. But I mean, what other movies can you guys think of that basically have that same trope of a hidden world lying just beneath the surface of our real world kind of thing? Uh, the Ninja Turtles movie. There it is, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Literally <laughs> under got, our world. I got yeah. two touch points. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, Nailed like, it. I, I feel like that's like, I read something somewhere about like, or it was like a YouTube video where it was, it was kind of looking at the tropes of movies as they relate to kind of what was going on politically and socially at the time. So like there Oh yeah, horror movies are big on that, reflecting the yeah, fears yeah. of the time. Yeah. And I feel like like yeah, that was like a uh I think very of this era, the fact that it was like I don't know, this like yeah, the secret government agency type of thing, which I don't know, I think we'll talk about more later when we get into the remake part, but Here's maybe a, a left field question for you guys. Do you believe that there is some sort of real life men in black kind of thing going on? No, not at all. Okay. Uh k- kind of. I mean, I mean, a whole office like that, I doubt. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a skeptic these days. I just, you know. I, I'm a skeptic too, but mine always comes down to I never believe that humans are able to escape their own levels of incompetence. Like, as soon as you get three people in a room, that information's going to spill. I mean, yeah, that, stuff like that. That does make sense because, right, right. Saying that, like, they could keep a secret that great is putting way too much faith in the government and... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. In the movie, uh, Kay randomly recruits a, a dude he meets essentially off the street. I mean, Will Smith is a cop, but nonetheless, he basically brings one guy in. And especially now, with like cell phones and everything, it, it no. There was <laughs> there's a funny XKCD comic that uh, basically says it's funny how uh, in the past 15 years with the invention of cell phones, we've qui- quietly disproved the existence of aliens, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster because now everyone's got a camera with them at all times. <laughs> Right, I don't. Right. So you don't you don't believe in aliens at all? I believe in aliens, but not ones that are secretly on Earth this entire time. I mean, oh, it's it's an infinite universe. Aliens are out there. I just can't think of a reason why they would come here. I don't know. There's so many UFO sightings from like Air Force pilots that there are recordings of. I don't know. I I kind of do believe that. Oh, I feel like a crackpot, but <laughs> I wouldn't be I kinda, surprised. <laughs> I kind of want to believe, but I think that if it was like revealed that that th- there are a bunch of unknown beings that are like close range, like. It, I mean, maybe this is the men in black at work, but basically it's not going to change like my drive to work or my, my day to day at all. Right. right. I, I also would love to believe. I think the concept of aliens is super fascinating. And I love the idea of uh, a society that's so fundamentally different from our own that we literally cannot conceive of the way they live their lives. But uh, again, I can't think of a reason why they would bother us <laughs> um, <laughs> right. unless we're it, like their it, it ant is- colony. Right. It also is funny that every depiction of aliens, it's like, this is pretty much just a human. Like, (laughs) you just want to see other people with two eyes standing on two legs. Like, it's such a reflection of what we are. When it really could just be like this, this, this being that doesn't even travel into our dimension and just lives within, like, this, the 12 or whatever dimensions that I read about on one Wikipedia article. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want to believe that aliens are real and they all look like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, just going to show up one day and be like, we succumb in peace. <laughs> and they're all super cool and they drive pod racers around and they're my best friend and we hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with my robot buddy who I also made. Yeah. I mean, he's it's a little a, uptight, a but whatever. All right. So here's the thing about the movie Men in Black. I, we could go through it step by step, and I think we should just kind of like do a brief run through. But Mike, you always have this idea of what would this movie be from someone else's perspective. With this movie, I was going to pitch that, but it's tough because so many other people in this movie whose perspective it is, their brains get wiped, and so we have no idea. <laughs> you know what I want to see is uh, the movie from the perspective of the little smoking coffee aliens, uh, the worms. <laughs> yeah, maybe follow them around because I I I saw them and I was like minions. That's another movie that I've seen. I was like, these are the minions. <laughs> Oh man, the worms! They are the minions. <laughs> I love that they smoked too. Like, yeah, yeah. You couldn't, yeah, you couldn't have anyone smoking in a movie without some sort of warning on the movie. Yeah, now. like people are gonna smoke in this. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, it was like very obvious, like Marlboro product placement. Like they were yep. walking in to work with like cartons of Marlboros. They, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, here's the interesting thing about the worms, which I learned from the animated TV show, because <laughs> they're, of course, they're in the show. Uh, right. The worms. But they all died of lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, the worms basically no. come from a planet where things like like coffee and tobacco, literally just the royalty, just the king is allowed to smoke and drink coffee. Uh. <laughs> so now they're on Earth and anyone's allowed to have it. They're like, oh my God. And they just like can't stop themselves because it's just like, it's such a thing for them to have it. Jeez, I think I'm one of those people. I think I come from that planet and I'm a king. Because <laughs> I love I love both those things. Oh no, they aren't Maybe- kings. They were not kings. And they like, uh, they, okay. they were the peasants who all of a sudden had access to these literal drugs that like they're like oh my god this is amazing of course our kings have been doing this for years and years yeah wow we can do this at work all day <laughs> that's kind of a weird message to put in a kid's cartoon <laughs> like hey you want to feel like royalty have a camel light and uh, uh pot of folgers i mean it's a weird message to have in a kid's cartoon from a franchise that actively encourages mind wiping oh you don't like what just happened mind wipe now it didn't <laughs> that reminds me let, uh let's do a commercial bl- break ideal remake is sponsored by camel cigarettes and folgers <laughs> coffee Mm-mm, delicious goes down smooth there's nothing i like more than being shaky and caffeinated and nauseous because of all the cigarettes Mm-mm, delicious <laughs> now back to the show uh so let's do a, a bit of a walkthrough of the movie so the movie starts with uh a a a, a timely truck coming across the border uh, uh full of migrants fleeing mexico and uh, then it turns out one of them's an alien. Take it away. That was a neat effect, too. I like that. It kind of reminded me of Total Recall. The dragonfly? The, when Arnold hid inside the lady costume that the guy opened up. and Yeah, I, lo- I love that reveal, too. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense when you think about it, because he's basically wearing a poncho and we can't see his feet. But I, I love it so much because it's such a great reveal. Because, it, like, let's say you're sitting down to watch this movie and you have no idea what's about to happen. That reveal is so good, and they take it so casually. I felt like Tommy Lee Jones' original character at the beginning, Agent D, may have been a nod to Stan Lee, right? Like, I know that that's what that character actor looked like, because I wanted to see if they just dressed him up to look like Stan Lee, but that guy looked a lot like Stan Lee. He did, and that's why in my ideal remake, I cast him as Stan Lee. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I Well, I did it for, uh, I'm sure we'll get into this later, or I guess now, but... I cast him as Stan Lee because the whole concept of that is that it's this old guy of the old generation of whatever he was now handing the torch off to a younger generation. And I feel like Stan Lee is unfortunately rapidly approaching that point 
he's still in a lot of these Marvel movies, but they like, they film a lot of his cameos back to back to back. So we can kind of shoot them all out in a couple of days and they use them in several movies. Really? Do you think there's going to be like a, a fifth level of Marvel movies years after Stan Lee's dead? <laughs> it's just going to be him showing up <laughs> as the dirty old man going, come on, wash my dick. I invented Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're gonna. They're I gonna, bet they could. They're gonna Paul Walker him into all the movies moving forward. Oh no! <laughs> but I mean, that's why I wanted it to be Stan Lee because that way he could. Because I mean, this is technically a Marvel property, and then he could basically pass the torch, say, "All right, I've had my time. Now it's time for me to go uh, retire and look at the stars." And I, that's why I thought it'd be a, a, a nice kind of thing to do. But I don't know. We'll get into that later. <laughs> I was gonna say we have to shoot those scenes real quick. <laughs> And we and we better be okay with a lot of improvising. <laughs> What's that? You've got an alien over there. What sort of person are you with an alien? Of course she's having a baby. He does this all the time. I shot a BBC show. I can't remember. Either Harry Valentine was there or Zach was there. Someone that Sam and I are friends with. And our impressions of it were completely different. Whoever we are friends with that was on that shoot at the same time thought Stan Lee was delightful. But I was just tuning into how much of a dick Stan Lee was. <laughs> he got mad at the director at one point in time and wouldn't let the director talk directly to him. The director had to give all of his direction to Stan Lee's handler. And then the handler would say, Mr. Lee, the director would like you to say this line. And then Stan Lee would say, well, tell the director that line's a pile of shit. I'm going to say this instead. And I just found Stan Lee to be such a horrible person. Oh well, I mean, Stan Lee's always been an asshole, just like historically. Is that true? I, I don't know. Really, I don't yeah. know anything about. I don't him. know. Ask Jack Kirby. <laughs> Next time I see him, he screwed everyone he worked with out of royalties and credit for creating stuff. But what an awful person! <laughs> Fuck Stan Lee. <laughs> The only way I want Stan Lee is in a remake is if the Mikey alien can violently <laughs> force him to give the alien a hand job, like Stan Lee tries to force his young nurses <laughs> to give him a hand job. That is not a thing he does. He did too. He tried to get his nurse to wash his dick. What really? Yeah, when? Yeah, there was some. Yes. Yeah, I read it. Uh, There's a couple articles about uh, how he's a little it, handsy, a little handsy old man. I mean, that yeah. doesn't surprise me, but I, I haven't heard any of that. And I invented the Fantastic Four. Why don't you get four fingers up my <laughs> butthole while you I mean, while can, you tickle my balls? We so have I can a show you what I. We have a fairly sizable uh, nerd audience, and by fairly sizable, I mean we have a solid dozen nerds who listen to the show. <laughs> and I mean, just so that they don't think that uh, we we're turning our backs on the great, wonderful Stan Lee. All hail Stan Lee and everything he's ever done. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way about Brian Singer, too. <laughs> Brian Singer's a garbage pit fire of a human being. But it's, let's start talking about horrible people. So in this movie, let's talk about uh, things that are fun. Like how Will Smith chases down an alien and, like, shoots up the Guggenheim to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that, like, you know, in, in 97 or 98 when this came out, a, a cop chasing down a perpetrator is like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just a classic cop chase scene. But that's got a very different tone in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different. Like, like... I love the, uh, I love the, uh, like, there was like a kind of an overarching, or not an overarching, but like in the very beginning, they made that distinction between like intergalactic aliens and like illegal aliens. And like, yeah, they just, they kind of got that out of the way at the very beginning of the movie. And I think that, you know, if this was to be remade today, it's like, you can't just gloss over that part. There's too much going on in the world to just, to just kind of like gloss over it, you know? Although I think they handle it really well. I mean, basically, uh, Tommy Lee Jones shows up and says, all right, all of you guys are just here to work. Keep going. I'm not going to stop you. I'm here for this guy, the one who's going to explode into blue goo. Right. Half the country. If that came out today, half the country would be like, this is propaganda. This may just be me wanting to make America great again, but I would do a big rewrite of that scene. <laughs> you want them to put a wall in space? You want you want the Earth to be surrounded by a wall? 
Well, I want there to at least be a wall from Mexico. Come on, am I right, guys? Huh? Huh? Well, <laughs> no. oh, look, there's just some there's just some aliens coming in from shithole planets and galaxies. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not sending their good aliens. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're sending some there's some bad gleek glops. <laughs> and then literally they cut to this guy's the royal prince. He he came here to. He's been not doing nothing but positive things in the world. That makes me angry! <laughs> the two aliens later who go to the diner and look like us, white and pure, they're the good ones. But I agree with Brett. Let's keep all the green ones out of the, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I can commit to this bit. Sorry, guys. I, 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 don't, I don't know what your out is for this bit, Mike. <laughs> I feel like you've dug yourself have... a pretty deep hole. <laughs> yep. Well, I think I'm just gonna be quiet for the rest of the I th- episode. I think what Mike's saying is in 2018, you know, we're 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 very divided. There's there's gonna be a lot of different. Well, there's gonna be two very different reads of this type of situation, and one of them is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh yes, of course, of course. <laughs> All right. So basically, as we go through this movie, uh, Will Smith is this fairly impressive police officer who don't get no respect, mm-hmm. uh, and he manages to take down. He, he kind of gets a glimpse of this whole other world of aliens, and so. He gets recruited by Tommy Lee Jones to potentially become a member of the Men in Black. And so they go in and they test him uh, to see whether or not he would be a good candidate. And the test that they give to Will Smith is this whole, is he able to think differently? And so the first test where they have these this whole set of army guys uh, taking this like written portion of this test. And it's just, do they think to go get a table? It's like they don't have a place to sit or write. And it's great. I love yeah. it. That's I was cracking up at that scene, even though I've seen it so many times. It's like, uh, it's, it's just fantastic. They're sitting in all those weird, those weird like two thousand one era IKEA egg chairs, <laughs> <laughs> which was which was extremely futuristic for two or for nineteen ninety seven or whatever. Yeah, there was a mall in Burbank that had those chairs, and I wonder if they were the chairs from the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they were. Like, I'm sure these people like saw that chair and were like, "We're getting these chairs. They're so horrible and uncomfortable. We have to use them." I got a different read on that. I wasn't sure if that's what the test was to see if Will Smith would think outside of the box or if it was just that Zed was reluctantly letting him join because he was thinking outside the box. No, I think I think that they brought him in because otherwise I was thinking about that when I watched the movie this time. Like, it sure is convenient that uh, Tommy Lee Jones found this guy the day before they had to do this new test for a new person. (laughs) But I I think they did the test specifically for him. Like, I think he found this guy and they set him up because when Zed is talking to him, Zed basically says, are you sure? And Tommy Lee Jones says, yeah, this is the guy. I got a good feeling about him. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Maybe the, you know, the alien was just like a, a bait just to see what he does. I don't think the alien was bait. I think the alien, like, I think that was just how he was found. Oh, right, right. But it's like, it's like, you know, he, you know, he goes through the process of, of running after him, trying to find him, catch him and, and relay all the information and when they didn't believe him he was like you know he's basically saying fuck you like i I know what i saw and so like when you know when they saw that like you know he he didn't take any shit from his superiors i think that's when they were like all right yeah this guy is he's for us because we don't we operate kind of like outside of the government or whatever they kind of mentioned that later in the movie but they liked his outsider i don't i don't give a damn i'm just trying to do my best no matter what it takes kind of attitude i agree I, the, the comparison that i have for it is uh you guys have seen kingsman right the first one yeah i have not but i did highly recommend it there's a moment in this movie where uh, the main character basically gets arrested for, I think it was ended up being like defending his mom or something. And he calls, uh, I'm blanking on his name, the guy, Colin Firth. what's his name? Colin Firth. Yeah, he, he Colin Firth. And Colin Firth basically shows him shows up and bails him out of jail because it was like the one debt he owed his father. And it just happened to be that Colin Firth needed to find a replacement right then. And he brought him in just in time. And so that always 
is like the, oh, well, that's the crazy coincidence of the movie. <laughs> uh, but this doesn't feel like the crazy coincidence of this movie. This feels like a setup specifically for Will Smith. And okay. so that's why I thought it was interesting, especially after they have the whole shooting gallery thing. I love that scene, yeah. too. <laughs> I, yeah, I I love I love that scene so much. Like his whole explanation is is, which I, I thought you know that was hilarious because like, yeah he he shoots the little girl because of all the things going on in the simulation. He was concerned about her being too smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what little girl needs uh, needs physics books? No one. That's crazy. <laughs> when Men in Black came out, I believe I was still living in New Orleans, and I don't remember much about the time I lived in New Orleans. So watching it the other night, this movie was like a brand new movie to me. So really, I loved it. <laughs> uh, this is such a good movie. Uh, and so then Will Smith gets inducted into the Men in Black. The end. No, this is. <laughs> do you think it might? Looking around the headquarters for the Men in Black, do you think maybe it was a little bit of affirmative action too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why they were like, they're going after Will. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole aspect of these movies, especially during the 90s, right? It's like, well, we're the old guard. We've been doing this for years and years. And now we hear these new kids coming up. We, we're going to pull them from the least likely places. Like, what if one of them is black? Oh, man, you're crazy. Yeah. like I, I mean, I thought that was like, I thought they did like a really good job at casting and kind of like being like, you know, looking at something from the 90s. You know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I never really saw that as problematic. But now that I'm watching it, it's like, yeah, it's definitely like, I think they did a good job with casting for 1990. I agree. Yeah. And no, this is a big spoiler and jumping to the end. And instead of doing ironic right wing guy, I also think it's really neat. The newest recruit ends up being female, too. Right. Yeah. Well, she's also the big hero of the day. She saves both of their lives and has this like just ridiculously badass line. Like, yeah. I would say the most badass moment of this entire movie is when uh, Linda Fiorentino, uh, L, basically is standing there holding that gun and says, weird job you guys have. <laughs> that moment is crazy. <laughs> I love it so much. It, it was because because you see, like, it comes into frame, like the, the big cockroach comes into frame and then just explodes. And then, like, the camera, like, pulls through the, the smoke coming out of the end of the gun just to reveal her. It, yeah, it was, it was rad. I think it's so weird, too, that Linda Fiorentino, who is really amazing, has been acting for 30 years and only has 31 credits. Wow. Like, you would think she would work a whole lot more. I mean... I'm sure there's a reason for it, but she's also one of those people who I recognize, but I wouldn't necessarily be able to say her name, except for the fact that I'm looking at it on IMDb right now. Yeah. I think the other biggest thing for people of at least my generation is Dogma. Like, she's the lead in Dogma. Kevin and Smith. she's oh. amazing in Dogma. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's all, it's all coming together now. That's where I know her from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's always been like, I haven't seen her in that many things. I think I've basically just seen her in Dogma and this. And... I, I mean, she's fantastic in both of them, but the, her yeah. last credit was in 2009. It's possible yeah. she's just retired or she's moved on to something else. She Maybe she's doing theater. <laughs> uh, she neuralized herself from Hollywood and is now just living, looking at the stars. <laughs> ah, the stars. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, be here all night, tip your wages. <laughs> Precisely. That's, that's, those be- are the great stand-up chops that Mike was talking about earlier. <laughs> 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 If she is doing theater, I memorizing lines. I couldn't like Sam. You do theater. I have no idea how you can keep all those lines of dialogue in your head. I can't even remember one scene for like the few like on camera acting things I've done. <laughs> yeah, I had to, I did a uh, a friend shot a movie and he cast me for like a small part and it was like the only time I've ever had to do that like read and remember lines and I was so, I was so shitty at it. I could not for the life of me like remember any dialogue. And so there was just just so many takes, and I was like, ah, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah. I love on uh, the Norm McDonald show, Norm, I'm sure joking, said that they had to name his character Norm because every time someone would call him by like a different character name, like, hey, Dave, take a look at this. He would just stand there and be like, oh, I didn't know you wanted me. I thought you were asking for some guy named Dave. So that's why every character. <laughs> He's the best. That actually, that does kind of uh, happen in Men in Black where, where she's calling out for Dr. White. You know, when they're in, uh, so she's, he's not, it's not registering that she's calling Will's character. Yeah. Right. That, that was one of my favorite, like, ongoing, like, uh, like gags where they would just make up names and occupations and then immediately. Yeah. Them. Right. It, it tickled me every time. Like th- th- that moment in the elevator where Will Smith says, all right, when he, when he agrees to join the men in black, and he's like, all right, first of all, you came to me. So you recognize I've got skills. Second of all, I don't want to be called kid. I don't want to be called this. I don't want to be called that. I don't want to be called this. Got it. And then, uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones says, okay, additional name. Yeah. Uh, I think he says, okay, slick. <laughs> Whatever you say, slick. And then they do that for the entire movie, but they never mention any of the words that he says in the elevator. It's always like slugger yeah, yeah. or champ or something. Uh, I love it all so much. This movie's so yeah. good. There was a TV series I let Sam borrow before I moved away from LA. I'm so bummed that he didn't see it because it's basically Men in Black. It was called The Middleman, and they had that running joke too, where every time they would show up for a scene, it would just be like, I'm Agent Murtaugh, this is my partner Riggs, or it would be some sort of like pop culture reference mm-hmm. every single time. And God, that series was so good. I felt really bad for not watching it because that series had been on my list of things I needed to watch. Yeah. It still is, unfortunately, because I had to give you DVDs back. I would say that The Middleman is the best t- television series that only lasted one season. Really? Uh, Go On is really good. I would put it ahead of Firefly. I mean, I believe that. That said, again, Mike, you would love the movie, uh, not the movie, the TV show Go On. I loved it. I watched it. Oh, uh, okay, good. Because uh, it's so good. Yeah, that's another great series. Oh, that's the one with the uh, Friends guy, right? Yeah, Matthew yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I, I'll never forget this. There was an SNL, or there was some. I think it was a Weekend Update, but somewhere somebody pronounced it as Goon, and I haven't been able to get that out of my head. <laughs> oh yeah, lots of people <laughs> do that's, that. That's yeah, <laughs> love it. I always call it Goon too. Yeah, I think everyone does. SNL. Have you ever yeah. seen that movie, The Go Onies? <laughs> that was our uh, <laughs> oh that's why we got brett Again. mercer for those jokes <laughs> tip, your, tip your podcast waitress or whatever <laughs> tip your actually the real joke would be to say tip your server because ah. the podcast it works both ways yeah uh, i love it <laughs> uh all right so tip your ser- oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Will Smith joins the Men in Black. Uh, a bug's here because he wants to take a galaxy, and he, he kills a bunch of people. And uh, basically, they have to stop this bug uh, from stealing the galaxy. Otherwise, the Earth is going to get blowed up, right? Yep, right. And the bug is played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Basically, he's a farmer, and the bug... <laughs> kind of takes all of his insides out and is wearing a Vincent D'Onofrio suit for the entire movie. And goddamn, Vincent D'Onofrio is so fucking good. So good. And his, Th- so there's that movie. I was going to say, and his, his wife... Uh, which I did not realize the first 500 times I've watched this movie, but that's, she was in like a stretch of episodes in Seinfeld. She was, uh, one of Elaine's roommates, the one that always drank out of those weird water bottles. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. I thought like, like the way she pronounced Edgar's name, like, like in that, like, uh, you know, Midwestern farm type dialect. It's, um, she's Shaban Fallon who does, it's weird. When you look at her career, it goes back and forth between, like thrillers and straight up comedies. Like she's such, I think she's a sketch comedian, but she also does like really heavy acting roles too. She's so fucking good. Yeah. It's another one of those people where it's like, Oh, where do I know her from? Like, I know I've seen her somewhere. Like I was, I was watching with my girlfriend. She's like, Hey, that's the mom from holes. It's like, Oh yeah, that's I, yeah. There's like yeah. weird places popping up all over the place where it's like, Oh good. I'm glad she's working. 
she also gets one of the weirdest lines in the entire movie said to her. Like when the when the bug's spaceship lands and uh, Edgar goes out to inspect it, and she's like, "What's going on, Edgar?" And he goes, "You keep your big butt back in the house." <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the most lines that's like most revelatory. That's like, "Oh, this is a this was a movie for kids." Yeah, right. <laughs> that was so. That was very awkward. It's like you, you hear him say that, and you're like, "God, I hope your insides get sucked out of your body and your skin gets worn in your suit by a cockroach." You just kind of. <laughs> Like you, you, uh, you wasted a wish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're both fantastic. Yeah, and I, I really like who I uh, recast them as. So when we get into them, that'll be that'll be mm-hmm. cool. Okay, and um, then and then and, real quick, and, like th- that was it was like a. Uh, sorry, I'm tripping up my words. There's a interesting plot point that happens when once uh, Agent J is introduced, where he's now trying to make the post neuralizer memories like happy, and not just yeah, like, yeah. Not, not just a band aid. Like you know what you you know. You get yourself some like you know some nice clothes. You left him. It's all you, girl. Like and, and like after that, you saw Agent K being like, "Uh, yeah, make the memories happy or whatever." Yeah, I thought that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was a good uh, addition. It was good, like the the new kid who hasn't done this ten thousand times mm-hmm. and still wants to put some effort into it. I, I liked it. I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit because uh, I just thought of another weird scene. Um, they're going and investigating the jewelry shop that got owned by the tiny alien inside of the robot suit. Mm-hmm. And so. Vin, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio smashed up the shop ahead of time, and he's out back, and his his uh, his bug van is getting towed. And the tow truck driver, like Vincent D'Onofrio, is like, "Well, I'm gonna show you. I'm not gonna kill you with the tail that I used to kill everybody. I'm gonna get this gun." He's literally pointing a shotgun at the the tow truck driver, and the tow truck driver looks at him, turns around, goes, shows him a gun that he's not really holding inside his jacket, says, "Please," puts it away, and goes back to what he's doing, regardless of the fact that Vincent D'Onofrio is still pointing a gun at him. <laughs> The guy has the guy has no idea how a gun works. He was just told that it would give him <laughs> <Yeah>. power. <laughs> he thinks he just you just show it to your assailant, and then he's like, "No!" Ah, uh, oh, by the power of Smith and Weston, <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> Maybe the tow truck driver thought that Vincent D'Onofrio had cerebral palsy and was going to miss the shot. Maybe, but I think what we're really saying is that a good guy with a gun did not stop a bad guy with a gun. <laughs> right. Or, you know, we don't know much about this character. He could have just been an, o- an okay guy who happens to have a gun. Oh, well, then, okay. Then then my comparison falls apart. <laughs> he was only okay. Doesn't work. He would never have succeeded. <laughs> I did. I was thinking about, you know, there's a the whole gun issue in America today. Like, watching this movie today through the lens of uh, how does this hold up or how does this work with, you know, this hyper-polarized gun culture. And there was a lot of good guy with a gun-ism happening in this movie. There was, but there was also you don't necessarily need the biggest gun because... Like, to quote, Will Smith's gun that he's given is the noisy yeah, cricket. to quote the dog, when will you humans realize that size doesn't matter? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, that dog's so good. <laughs> Frank the pug. Also, I don't want to gloss over this, that the Tony Shalhoub character was, like, he's so good. Jeebs? Jeebs. Yep. I love Tony Shalhoub. I love Tony Monk. Shalhoub is always good. I didn't, I, he's so good on Mrs. Maisel. See, I haven't, I haven't really seen anything else that he's done. I know him as the men in black guy, but I see him all over the place. Oh, he's so... I feel like a Tony Shalhoub stalker. I watched Wings, Monk, and most recently Mrs. Maisel on Amazon, and he's so great in everything because he plays such different characters and just commits to them. Yeah. And, I mean, he's also in uh, uh, Spy Kids, so... (laughs) Wait, what else was he in? (laughs) I forgot about Spy Kids. He's not the guy who was in Barton Fink, right? I don't remember him in Barton Fink. Who's the main guy in Barton Fink? Oh, um, John Turturro. Oh, yeah, I'm getting him confused with John Turturro. But yeah, no, Tony Shalhoub, he's... Wait, hold on. He was in Cars? Tony Shalhoub is also in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wait, really? Ooh. No, the 2014. Uh, Who does he play? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I think we can all agree that one of his... He does the voice of Master Splinter, I guess. Is he? (laughs) No. 
that's terrible. That's, that's bad casting. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, that's awful. I was going to just compliment him for how good he is in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, he's great in Galaxy Quest. Oh, I don't know why every time I don't need a character actor, I just dip into the well of Galaxy Quest. <laughs> because Galaxy Quest has a solid roster of amazing character actors. Really? And at some point, we're going to have to do that movie because they're going to end up remaking it. And Mike, I do not look forward to that because that movie is so good. They are remaking it. Paul Shear is adapting it as a television series. Really? All right. Means we're gonna have to add it to our yeah. list. I hope that yeah. I hope that uh, Tim Allen still plays the starring role as a replacement for that show that got taken off the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eh. Going back to Norm Macdonald, Norm had Tim Allen on his podcast, and <laughs> about an hour into it, he starts talking about Tim Allen being in prison, where he's like, "Hey, uh, when you went to prison for selling all that cocaine, did they call you the Candy Man?" And <laughs> Tim is just like, "Oh man, I didn't. We're gonna talk about this." Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was he was like mortified, kind of. Did you did you watch yeah. that? Uh, Hulu special about the Dana Carvey show. Yes, no, it's on my list. It's so it's amazing. It's so good. But there's a there's a, a point where they're like, all right, so we're on after Home Improvement, and they're like, all right, that might be a good lead into our weird, wacky alternative comedy because you know he's like he was arrested for cocaine. He seems cool, and then they they cut to <laughs> yeah. uh like like a promo for like the most heart wrenching episode of. of- of uh of home improvement and then after this heartfelt trailer for the for the episode he's like followed by the dana carvey show brought to you by coca-cola and i think the dana carvey show opened with a sketch of bill clinton milking puppies with multiple breasts yeah breastfeeding uh yeah (laughs) yeah breastfeeding puppies and kittens i've seen that episode it's weird uh yeah that documentary about the dana carvey show i think it's called too funny to fail was one of my favorite probably my favorite documentary of last year yeah yeah incredible we, we kind of have an idea of what the plot of the movie is, even for people who haven't seen the movie, which I'm going to take a moment now and say, go watch this movie. It's amazing and you'll love it. But now let's let's break into our ideal remake. Sounds good. But before we get into our cast, in terms of like time period or anything, I mean, I might make it more current just because I feel like they make it more relevant. Like he has to get rid of his cell phone and that's one of the other things he gets rid of uh when he joins the men in black but it's not dated at all <laughs> right right it would be funny if in the in the remake they just the only thing that they do to cover his identity is just delete his social media presence <laughs> I, I mean that's actually a lot funnier like they like they go to facebook they hit delete yep. all right it's like he never existed where did all those tagged yep. photos go i don't know we'll never be able to remember <laughs> michelle's birthday party <laughs> Rewatching it today one of the things that i i thought was interesting was that this was technically a government agency and I thought that in today's world, it, it would be a private company like SpaceX or something like that. I th- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They would get... I mean, that's one of the things they did in uh, Kingsman also. It's we operate beneath the surface, but no one knows about us. Because one of the things that Zed says is that you, uh, you're above the law, right. uh, beyond it. Yeah. And he's so like, I, I agree who, with you. He's like, who funds all this stuff? He's like, well, we hold some patents on things that we confiscated from aliens like velcro <laughs> and like yeah it just so that they they have like a, a constant money source i guess through licensing which yeah. which i think is not like uh i mean I, I know that like the the military is you know years ahead of consumer technology but i, I feel like that's in today's world that would be like a, like an amazon or a google or, or elon musk spacex kind of entity i don't know if i'm rewriting the comic book but i was just like that's a little weird that it's the government and they they can just operate oh, no, I, I love that. without I getting the axe from I, from people trying to shrink I, the budget. I agree with you. I think that it I think that it should not be the government. There's something they do in the TV show where it's like Zed's talking to superiors and it's like one of those four screens with four shaded out faces and you can't tell who it is and I think that's more interesting. Right. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're I feel like if they work for a government it's an intergalactic government and not a, a terrestrial government. Yes, yes, yes. And I was also thinking because it, it because it would be some sort of private company, it would be all, all of their projects would be crowdfunded but not just from Earth, crowdfunded from all different types of currencies all throughout the multiverse. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> 
Like a like an inter intergalactic GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it would be a uh, GoFundMe, but the because it's G O F U and but it would be G U F O N D M E. GoFundMe. <laughs> well, it's U F O. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, those oh. <laughs> those letters would be bold in the logo. <laughs> yeah. So, well, like, do you remember like that uh, Ron Paul uh, revolution and it's yeah. like revolution? Like the letters are flipped, so it's spelled love. Yeah, yeah. It's GoFundMe, but the letters are flipped, so it's U F O. Love it. Love it. I can see the logo oh. already. That kind of reminds me of, I can't remember what the business front was in Repo Man. Wasn't it uh, spelling out UFO somehow too? Yeah, I remember. I remember loving that. It was like the, I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it was spelling out UFO. So who would we cast as Agent K to replace Tommy Lee Jones? Well, Mike, tell us who you had. Just because he's kind of like the grizzled old guy. The only person my mind went to was Danny Glover. But I think Danny Glover is probably too old for this shit. Maybe. I don't know. Brett, who do you have? I, I got a couple of different Agent Ks because I was thinking about this dynamic, the old guy and the new guy sort of, yeah, the, like they're back and forth. So, I mean, one of the ones that really stuck out, I was I was really thinking about either A, making this one of the like all-female reboots with both females or switching the races up. And so I, my, the one that yeah. sticks out most to me is Steve Harvey as Agent K. Steve Harvey, really? I mean, I, I was, I'm not taking this very seriously as like an actual reboot, but God, I would love to see that. He's like just a guy like I don't, I don't believe what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm way too old for this shit. Like you know when like somebody says like a ridiculous answer on Family Feud and you see his face just kind of lose all life, <laughs> like that happening after that reaction after the young, the young person like shoots the noisy cricket when he shouldn't have, just like. I, I don't know what I, <laughs> I am an old out of t- but I mean if if Mike is worried about people not remembering their lines I don't know if Steve Harvey's a good choice as someone who can remember his lines yeah. but he doesn't have lines you just keep cutting to him and his mouth is open and he's just giving you that take like I can't believe what just happened but the, the, he, the whole purpose Steve of uh, a face actor the whole purpose of K is that he's like I've seen all of this 10 million times before mm-hmm. <laughs> another one that I really was thinking about is I mean I know he was he played Agent K in, in, in Men in Black 3 but uh, Josh Brolin. I think he's got he's he plays such a good like oh, younger yeah. version of Tommy Lee Jones. I did not see the third one, but my understanding is that he's very very good. He's great. Oh yeah. He's really good. I don't really know yeah. him from too many things cuz again I don't really watch a lot of movies, but he is yeah, he was fantastic. Oh, he's from uh Gowanis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the Go- Oh, I see the Gowanis. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Took me a minute. Uh, uh, um, my person for K is actually someone that Mike has uh, tried to cast on this show before. My suggestion for K is Dennis Haysbert, who you may know as the Allstate guy. Ah. The reason why he was in my mind is because uh, a couple weekends ago I gave blood. And they kind of have like those old school television shows on in the background. And when Mike had originally recommended Dennis Haysbert, he said, well, I always kind of see him as like this guy who's been a cop for years and years and years, but I can't find any IMDb references for that. And the show I was watching was this old show from the 70s or 80s where he was playing a cop. (laughs) Where were you giving blood in a time machine? It's a bunch of old people giving blood. So they need to have on TV shows that aren't, that wouldn't offend anybody because we want people to come back and keep giving blood. So on one screen, it was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And on the other screen, it was like this other old timey sitcom. (laughs) Then could we uh, have Dean Winter, who plays the other, the mayhem car insurance guy? Uh, as Agent J, he would be good. Yeah, he he would be great because he he kind of does look like an alien, sort of. Like, I mean, he he could be K, he could be uh, he could be Jeebs, he could really play anybody in this movie. He's the guy who sells beepers in Thirty Rock. He's oh, uh, yeah. uh, a Tina Fey's ex boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's such a good character. I love. It is. Oh man, I he'd be a good alien, but I don't know which alien to make him. Holy shit, he's fifty three. <laughs> yeah, wow. he's too old. I thought he was. My he's age. way too old for J, but. Uh, 
Yeah. But I mean, he's a he's a good alien to have in our back pocket if we run out of people for one of our other things. Absolutely. What do you guys think about him in the Tony Shalhoub bro? I like it. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, if, if we're jumping to Tony Shalhoub, my pitch for the Tony Shalhoub character is uh, the actor David Mitchell. From the Mitchell and Webb look? Yeah. Huh. Because m- the idea I had for him was uh, I wanted someone who could be super proper and dignified and say, of course I'm not selling those things. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as, like, there's a gun in his face, he just immediately is, like, just a complete, like, no, please don't hurt me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and just, like, he, like his poem. And just from the Mitchell and Webb look, his characters are always so amazing. And he's such a phenomenal uh, comedic actor that I thought he'd be funny. That said, Mayhem would also be very good. I was thinking... We uh, get it, Sam. You watch the BBC. You're more cultured than us. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I can't think of any other BBC people. Uh, I was thinking... Be- yeah, Martin Freeman. Uh, I mean, do you want me to go down a list? Because I got a bunch. As a nod to the original series, have him played by David Cross, who also made a cameo in, in Men in Black. For the, for the morgue attendant? I think the morgue attendant in our remake should be David Cross. Still? Because David Cross is also in the sequel. Because David Cross is killed in the first movie. And then in the second movie, he's the morgue attendant again. And he's killed again. <laughs> and I kind of just want him to be this immortal guy who keeps getting killed but keeps working at the... Like, <laughs> I think David Cross should be played by David Cross. I know David Cross is an asshole and Mike doesn't like him because he's not a good person. Oh, man, that sucks. But I love David. I think his comedy is great, but I can see him being an asshole. It's one of those things where it's just like, this bit has already been set up. And I would hate to be the one to break the bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really funny. Although it would even be, it would also be extremely funny if instead of it being David Cross as the morgue attendant in our remake, it's Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I did think about, yeah, Bob Odenkirk playing something in this, in this universe, possibly Agent J, I, or Agent K. I oh, what about, what about playing Zed? Zed, he's good casting for Zed, but who do you guys have for Zed? Let's talk about Zed. Honestly, to, to go along with your, uh, your keep David Cross playing the David Cross character, I, I love Rip Torn so much, and he's the perfect person for that character. I would not change him at all. I wish I knew what movie it is, but there's an outtake where he snaps at a director, and he starts, I think, trying to like beat a director to death with a hammer or something. <laughs> That's really funny. Wait, it's one of those like onset meltdown things. Really, and like the crew is wrestling Rip Torn to the ground. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My casting for Zed is Robin Wright. She is basically in uh, House of Cards. She's basically the Kevin Spacey replacement mm. i mean she was his wife but now she's like the president she was that super badass detective in blade runner 2049 uh she's obviously amazing in wonder woman and just like kind of this person who's older who clearly used to be like the beat up person and is now just like this person who's very comfortable in control mm. that's why i thought she'd be a good uh a good flip for that yeah Since yeah obviously a lot of the original cast members are great i mean uh, and if we could get vincent denopio to be edgar again we would but that's not what we're gonna do <laughs> right 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 so that's why i think we need to have someone else and my pitch is robin wright i signed off signed off on my end <laughs> yeah because i was trying to think like okay he, his his whole thing was you know kind of laid back but still like like kind of detached i i've seen it all i've got a desk job at a government agency but uh i can't wait to put this new kid through the you know, through the ringer sort of vibe. So, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't come up. And all I want to do is, is go home and work on my trains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see, yeah, in a, a scene that wasn't in the original cut of Men in Black was him going like, ah, uh, I'm leaving. I, I, I've got a ship and a bottle to build back home. <laughs> like, we don't see his office, but his office is just like nothing but ships and bottles. Yeah, yeah. And, but then like a couple, like they start being regular like pirate ships, but then they get like slightly, like slowly more alien and alien. Yeah, and alien. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I keep taking my work home with me. Yeah. And when uh, Agent J haphazardly sends that flubber ball all around. uh, (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Oh, my God. It's a flubber ball. Okay, we're recasting that ball as flubber. (laughs) Flubbers are recasting for the ball. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> the ball is Flubber. The worms are minions. This is going to be a great movie. <laughs> uh, amazing. Oh, you know, real quick, you know who I had cast for Edgar? Tell us. Mm. Uh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, because he looked. I mean, he looked fucked. Like I, I, one of the only movies that I saw last year or from the past like year was was Three Billboards, and he looked haggard as shit yeah. in that. And I, I like I hated the character so much that he played, but he was such a good actor that like I don't know. Like I hated the guy Sam Rockwell after watching that movie. But Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. Oh, he won. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Who who also had a a cameo in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Just to throw that in there. <laughs> I mean, good, <laughs> perfect. Uh, I, he's he he actually probably would be really good. Um, I bet although, he'd be phenomenal. And, yeah, I, I have someone for Edgar, uh, and I'll tell you about it now. But I want Mike to go third because for a character actor role like this, I'm pretty sure Mike's going to be able to top us. Yeah. Uh, my suggestion for Edgar is uh, Garrett Dillahunt from Deadwood. Uh, he's in Deadwood. Ah. He's in Raising Hope. He's he's yeah. basically been he's one of those people he recognize but don't really know where he's from, and he's he he has been in like a bajillion things and he's one of those like actors actors like when I, the reason why uh like people talk about vincent d'onofrio as like every single actor you ever meet like you mentioned someone like vincent d'onofrio like oh my god like you know how there's a comedian's comedian mm-hmm. he, vincent d'onofrio is an mm-hmm. actor's actor like actors like i don't know what he does but he's amazing and garrett dillahunt is actually one of those actors all the actors from hollywood like gather in the back to watch him as he's delivering his lines <laughs> 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 and everyone like you joke everyone you joke, but audience, people actually do that is that true yeah. like people would like if they're not on set they'll go and they'll watch him do the thing because he's always really good <laughs> and he, he delivers lines that only moves the people in the back and everyone else is like i don't really get it but all the actors are like wow that was a moving performance <laughs> this is an extended yeah. metaphor <laughs> forgive me i mean it's a good metaphor i get it <laughs> but and then just like comedians at the back like they're watching garrett dillahunt on santa clarita diet and they're like and you know he's just basically doing craig t nelson <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things like how only comedians find Adam Carolla funny. It's fine. Do we? No. <laughs> I think Adam Carolla has a big fan base. I'm not necessarily part of it, but. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a man show diehard like I am. <laughs> the background on my phone is bikini chicks throw- jumping on trampolines. I don't know what you're doing over there, but <laughs> I uh, I have girls in my backyard jumping on trampolines. That's you know that's how I roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, but you're in Michigan. They're wearing full parkas, uh, gloves, hats, goggles. Yeah, uh, what they call you know those North Face jackets? They call that the Michigan bikini. Right? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit that I owned the first season of The Man Show on DVD <laughs> up until I moved away from LA, and then when I was packing everything up, I just kind of looked at it like I'm not gonna fucking move this across country again. <laughs> uh, did you give it away or throw it away? I gave it away. Our apartment building had kind of like a, a table where you could just put books and movies and just leave them for yeah. So I left ah, it there, and cool. it stayed there for a very long time. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right, Mike. So you're the you're the uh, the resident expert on character actors. Who did you put for Edgar? Okay, well, my casting for this whole thing is definitely much more comedic than what you guys have thrown out so far. But I like Sam Rockwell the best. But my Edgar and the wife Beatrice, I flipped genders and I went Melissa McCarthy for Edgar mm. and her husband Ben Falcone as Beatrice. Ah, so interesting. You know, Who- so Edith and Bert. I, okay, okay, I got you. Oh, I didn't even think about gender flipping that character. That's clever. I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on it being Melissa McCarthy, but I like the idea of that being a lady. Brett's right. Sam Rockwell is going to nail this. Yeah, I mean, Sam Rockwell would be pretty amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of like I, I he kind of just came on my radar. He's one, he's another one of those guys where it's like I I'd seen a lot of things that he's been in, and I kind of recognized him as. But I never put a name to the face. But like after three billboards, and I was like, okay, this is this is a guy who I should probably know. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Sam Rockwell's amazing. If you haven't seen, uh, basically, he's good in everything he does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good in Moon, also. And I don't want to say anything because it would spoil Moon. But there is a point in Moon where he looks all jacked up, like the Edgar Bug when the Edgar Bug is rotting. And, yeah, uh, that's true. Whoa, yeah, okay, hold on, I'm seeing good. here that he was in yeah. G-Force, which was a movie about gerbils, it looks the like. Hamster, the hamster, the, the, the guinea pig movie? <laughs> okay, yep. I'm watching this. <laughs> Jesus. I think he All just right. does a voice of a hamster in it. I have a weird thing with Sam Rockwell, too, where one of his fingers is, like, really scarred, or, like, was surgically sewn back on, or something like that, and every time I watch him on screen, I can't not pay attention to his finger. That's interesting. I was unaware of this. Really? Uh, yep. But I have a I have a bonus last minute pitch for you guys. If if we are considering doing a gender flip on the Edgar role, how would you guys feel about Parker Posey? I still like Sam Rockwell more. Fair enough. Posey. Who's, what was Parker Posey? Parker Posey's in like the Christopher Guest movies. Oh. Best in show. Okay, okay. Um, our Edgar is uh, Sam Rockwell, who's great. But that that means that we skipped our Beatrice. My Beatrice was Martha Plimpton. Ellie Kemper. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. That's interesting. She's got she got a similar kind of like like I guess naivete and like like the way that the voice kind of like embellishes the character of like I know what I saw. He he wasn't the guy that I knew. He's he's different and no one believes me. I, and people think I'm crazy, but I'm still sitting here laughing. Well, yeah. I mean, that would be a, certainly a different take on the Beatrice character. Sure, sure. I mean the. The, the Beatrice character in the movie that we have now is that just someone who's just been beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. And so it's someone who, I, I mean, again, because this is a kid's movie, we establish that the character of Edgar is an awful, awful human being. And that way it's okay that he dies because we don't mind because he's an awful person. And I feel like it's if it's someone like Ellie Kemper, then it's like, oh, Ellie Kemper and Sam Rockwell might have ended up being happy. I and see. then it might be sad that Sam Rockwell's dead. Okay. We need someone who can play just like, I, I mean, again, this is the way the take was in the original movie. Like, we could still treat it as a tragedy that this guy's gone, but then you're spending time feeling bad. Edgar was a dick, though. Like, you know, he's right. fine that he's gone. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But I'm saying that, like, if we have Ellie Kemper, she's so upbeat and positive that I don't think she's playing enough of the hammered down by life person that Beatrice would have to be. That's what I'm suggesting. What if we run into Beatrice later and she is the upbeat, perky Ellie Kemper after being neuralized? Yeah, as a that I'm okay as with. a reference to uh, yeah Agent J being the first person to introduce like this is a this is an uplifting neuralization like you're starting a new life yeah and so you, you see her act like d- deliver a wonderful performance as a as a uh, yeah just a, a beaten down not having a good time wife of this asshole farmer and then after this this initiation by agent j she comes back and is like i'm the most chipper i've ever been in fact i'm probably the most chipper person you've ever seen in your life i mean they do yeah. that a little bit in the movie as it is now did you guys notice the way she like the way her makeup and hair and dress were done like before edgar was killed and then what it was after huh like, like, when okay. you first see her, she her hair and everything is just awful. Just, like, completely, like, she looks terrible. And then when you see her later, she's done up. She looks nicer. She's wearing a brighter color. Like, she basically goes from gray to blue uh, in the two different scenes she's in. And we could be a lot more on the surface about it. I'm not opposed to that. But they did it in a very subtle way. Like, this is who she was before, Ed- like, while Edgar was there. And this is who she is post-Edgar, even before 
uh, Jay did the the flashy thingy. <laughs> hmm. I never watched The Office. Is her character in The Office kind of put upon, or is she super upbeat Ellie Kemper in The Office as well? She was, I think she's always super upbeat. Yeah, she was upbeat, but the, her roles in The Office and uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt are both like, oh, some awful things have happened to you. Like, you, life's dealt you a real shitty hand, but for some reason you're still, you're, 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 you still see the sunshine and you're, and you're happy and you're smiling and you just generate positive energy, despite the right, fact that I you've agree. been- I think- You've been in a, in a, you know, in a bomb shelter for 15 years or whatever. Right. And I agree. And I think that that's an amazing thing. And I think that she plays those things really well. And I think that those fit that, those characters and not necessarily the character here because of like the other information that we have with the character she relates to. But wouldn't it also explain if she was an optimist, why she never left Edgar? That's a, that's not the kind of message that we want to put out in the world. (laughs) You don't want to be the, 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 yeah, you can still change him movie. I don't think she's such a minor character, though. I think we're overthinking it. Yeah, I think she deserves a spinoff where it's like her life post being neuralized <laughs> post. Uh, she doesn't know what happened. Maybe there's some signs that she was married or whatever. But basically, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, where uh, instead of a bomb shelter for 15 years, it was a 15 year marriage to this awful Sam Rockwell character. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't know. I I just let's get back to it. Let's talk about Jay. All right, Jay. I had either Kate McKinnon or Michael B. Jordan. I mean, those are both great. Okay. I was th- I was like when you suggested uh, uh, M- uh, Melissa McCarthy for Edgar, I immediately thought, well, what about Kate McKinnon instead? I I think she'd be good for Jay. She's perky. She's good with one-liners. I think part of what made Jay such a good character was that Will Smith kind of improvised some of his lines, like ah, oh, be random black men in New York City or whatever. And I think Kate McKinnon could nail some of the funny stuff for that. I thought she was really good in Ghostbusters. I reluctantly enjoy her on SNL. I wish that SNL would let some of the other female cast members be in sketches every now and then. I think Kate McKinnon's great. I do like Kate McKinnon. Uh, Brett, who did you have? I had um, uh, kind of as a passing the torch of the kind of extremely well-liked multidisciplinary artist, actor, whatever, Donald Glover. <laughs> oh, we've cast Donald Glover in so many things on this show. He's great. He's great. I know he comes up a lot. <laughs> he does. He's great. Everyone loves him and he's good at everything he does. Because right, I, I, I just don't I, think we can cast him again. We use <laughs> him right. so much. Well, because I just feel, I mean, more of like a broad look at the character from 1997 to 2018 i think that character would be a lot more like self-conscious alone like not not so much like full of himself the way that like will smith's character was but rather like i'm a, 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 a guy just trying to make it in the world do the best that he possibly can again donald glover's perfect for this role because he's perfect for every role <laughs> i'm just worried that we're we're overusing him like from a meta standpoint on the podcast i see i see I yes see. obviously he'd be amazing he would be perfect for the role but who uh, like, like someone to to play that role like uh i also had who else did i have the the guy that i have is uh i've I've suggested him before we ended up not going with him uh he's an actor named rick gonzalez he on the tv show arrow he plays wild dog and the reason why i cast him is because like some of the best comedic moments on arrow are the interactions between this uh the actor who plays wild dog and the actor who plays uh, mr terrific like those two actors are the only reason to keep watching the show because they're fantastic and their interactions are great and rick gonzalez just has like kind of the great one-liners and spinoffs and jokes and also i think that he can kind of play what what jay was in the first movie he's he's a street cop basically the 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 low cast the low class guy being pulled up into this high class secret society he's the outsider being pulled in and i think rick gonzalez is a is a good fit for that just because that's kind of the sort of characters he plays mm-hmm. so I, i'm not familiar with him at all other than you having mentioned him before i was also the, the, the unfortunate thing is that all three of us have really good suggestions for this role <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking like, all right, so a young hotshot doesn't play by the rules member of the NYPD. 
uh, what if this tied into the Brett Mercer? <laughs> Brett Mercer. Oh. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give up comedy and move to become a cop. <laughs> You've already admitted that you can't remember dialogue, but we're gonna cast you as a lead in a movie. Oh, I can play a cop. I mean, there's only three lines that they say. They say, "Move along, sir." They say, "Not so, not so fast, hot shot." And they say, "Get your hands uh, on the back of your head." I think I can remember those. What things. about? <laughs> what about you have a right to remain silent? The, well, I mean, we kind of skip over that one a lot of the times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like uh yeah maybe nothing like to a, see here yeah uh this isn't a skate park go home <laughs> uh no but um young nypd doesn't play it by the rules hot shot why don't we tie this in with the brooklyn 99 universe and actually cast andy uh samberg yeah andy samberg andy samberg as Ooh. his role in brooklyn 99 but he runs into <laughs> well then i think we have what you guys were talking about earlier, which is a naked gun problem. Because, I mean, part of what makes... Too funny? Well, no, because a lot of the people in this movie are... It's a comedic movie, but they're not comic actors. They're not playing the comedy. Right. But Will Smith's playing it funny. Right. He's the one person playing it funny. And we're casting comedians around that person. I see, I see. I mean, so far we have Dennis Haysbert, Sam Rockwell, Robin Wright, and... Flubber, that's the boss. <laughs> Flubber's gonna kill it, you guys. I'm so excited to see how fl- what Flubber's do- original take is. I kind of like that idea. I don't love that idea. I think it's funny that they're talking about combining the 21-22 Jump Street universe with the Men in Black universe. But I mean, if we were gonna pull anyone in from Brooklyn Nine Nine, I would pull in Rosa. Ah, uh, yes, yes. She oh, would, yeah. She would be a great uh, Agent L, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She would be a good L. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she'd be awesome. Let's let's come back to Jay also because maybe maybe who we cast as our L will be a good match for who we cast as our J. Right. Who did you guys have for uh, Laurel? Well, I was thinking Aisha Tyler, but now I'm like really into the idea of Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine Nine playing her. I think it's really great too. I also I my person was Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's uh, Ramona Flowers in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh yeah, and I like her a lot. But Stephanie Beatriz is better. Unless Brett, you can blow us out of the water. I really can't. I was I was trying to just come up with that on the spot. I mean, I do just want to see Anne Hathaway and everything, but I don't. You know, <laughs> oh no, it's a big bu- You know, it's a big budgetary kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, can right. Anne Hathaway play Agent J? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, the, the, the whole the whole zen of Agent J is that he's a street person. I don't think anyone would ever believe that Anne Hathaway has ever even deigned to look upon a street. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's go with Stephanie Beatriz for uh, Laurel Weaver. That's great. Love it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, like I was definitely thinking like, all right, well, she's you know, her character as a whole is you know she's she's skeptical she's trying to like look behind the scenes but also not like be too far in the foreground so she doesn't get so, she, so it's not noticed or whatever but so, yeah i don't know i was just kind of thinking of those character traits and couldn't really come up with uh, somebody somebody good to, to yeah to play those parts what's really great about her too is if you ever see interviews with her she sounds nothing like Diaz and brooklyn 99 that's such a character choice that she made really that she's so fucking good Oh yeah. yeah, she's nothing like that person. She's a she's amazing at it. It's it's fantastic. She's sometimes on I think Modern Family where she plays uh, Sofia Vergara's sister too, mm. a completely different character. Like disappears into a character so much. I mean, she'd probably be a good Edgar too, but it's fine. We'll yeah. leave her as Laurel. In the furry script that DJ Dangler and I wrote, there's a cop character that I can't not think of Stephanie Beatriz as, and it scares me sometimes when we write it. Where I'm like, am I just writing Diaz mm-hmm. at this point? I mean, that's fine. You should write with someone in mind, right? I think that's amazing. Okay, so then now that we know who our Laurel is, who's a good mat? Who's a good pairing for her? Andy Samberg. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> we just we just make Brooklyn Nine Nine Intergalactic Edition. 
I mean, when they do their movie, I'm sure they will. I still like the idea of Kate McKinnon. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I do. I do like it as a yeah, as like a oh yeah, a, a female lead. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's let's go with Kate McKinnon then. The only other one I have is the Tony Shalhoub character. Uh, I have a couple others. So because uh, okay. remember, I had the old guy agent, the one from the very very beginning. I had that oh, as yeah, Stan. Yeah. I had that as Stan Lee. Did you guys have someone else for that or whatever? I don't have anyone. I didn't. Yeah, Stan Lee is perfect though. Okay, Stan uh, Lee. Someone had a good suggestion for Jeeps, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, I said David Cross, but we kind of recast him as David yeah. Cross. Yeah, David Cross is our morgue attendant. Oh, but also, uh, uh, what was the uh, mayhem? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Him. I had John Roberts, comedian, and does the voice of Linda Belcher on Bob's Burgers, ah. just because he does a lot of different characters on his YouTube channel, and he's so fucking funny. Yeah, he's great. He, and he, I think he, yeah. he could play, like, hey, what does that mean to me? Like, oh, I'm just I'm just here. And then gotta, like, go, go off and reciting, like, all the bullshit uh, monotony that comes with having a, you know, a job like that. We deal with paperwork. Yeah. I'm not familiar with yeah. him, but if you guys vouch for him, I don't see why not. Can we do John Roberts as Jack Leibs instead? Uh, as who? As uh, John Roberts and as Jeeves is what you said? John Roberts is the Tony Shalhoub alien. The only other thing that I had cast was uh, Frank the Pug. Oh. <laughs> and so for the role of Frank the Pug, I cast Instagram star Doug the Pug. Ah. I really like the idea because, again, we're placing it now as opposed to in the 90s. Uh, it, it's instead of going to like a random street corner thing that doesn't really exist anymore. Like it's literally just an Instagram star pug who also happens to be an alien. Yeah. Like the pug, like the pug is doing all these crazy adorable poses, but it's doing it on purpose because it's an alien. You just just act normal, act normal, but acting normal is the cutest thing you can do as a pug. Yeah, there is an Instagram star named Doug the Pug, and I think like there's this whole like oh the backstory is that like Doug the Pug is just I don't know I just think it's funny. <laughs> oh, th- here's what I wrote down. Uh, so uh, because he's an Instagram star, he's got his nose to the ground of internet info. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah! Well. I- I, I want to fight you on this one. I really like the idea of Cliff the Pug, who is also an insert. I don't care. There's, I don't know any other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any other pug actors. So well, if we're talking, can you just make other- up a name because my pug's a real pug, Mike. How dare you? I I'm just making up shit. Well, look, as a you know, as a guy who you know, I love uh, internet celebrities. There, Doug the Pug has a brother who's also an Instagram celebrity called uh, Jake Paul the Pug, and I'm on Team Jake Paul the Pug. <laughs> <laughs> they can fight for the role they can uh marry kate and ashley olsen and flip back and forth uh maybe not fight we don't want to michael vick this but yeah they can they can argue over it yeah absolutely. this guy's got doug it's uh, doug the pug has 3.2 million followers yeah i know he's, he's really america's casting. dog yeah oh there's a picture of him he's with an- the uh with the stranger things kids yeah this dog is more famous than we will ever be. Unreal. See, I'm I'm really not plugged into the whole like Instagram like pet kind of area of Instagram. The only pet that I follow is is called my friend Hank, and he's a, an adorable little pig. I oh that pig is so cute. Now, I, could the pig <laughs> be an informant to the Men in Black? I'm saying no. no. <laughs> but he is cute. Uh, let's get into, let's get into writer and director. I had James Gunn to do both write and direct it. I think James Gunn does great with mixing practical effects and CG effects from doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and has a good comedic sensibility for stuff that he's written and can shoot action. So he's who I had. I think that's a great pitch, and I love that idea. 
and I'm perfectly happy if we end up there, but I want to do my two pitches because, um, I, I wanna, uh, and I think because Mike, you personally will love them. So let me give these to you for a director. Am I writing it? Is it for writer? Is it me? Is no. it me and DJ? Oh. No. <laughs> uh, well then I'll like it. I won't love it. Um, for the director, I had a lady named Lexi Alexander. Um, Lexi Alexander is known for doing things like Punisher and sh- like, like the Punisher movie. Uh, and she's done a few eras of episodes of Arrow and Supergirl and she did Green Street Hooligans. And she's, uh, oh, yeah, someone, yeah. she's kind of tuned into the whole superhero world and she's also a female director, which obviously we want to encourage more of. And like, and her IMDb page is incredibly impressive of the types of things she's done. And I thought she'd be able to really kind of capture the action because I wanted, I, I aimed for an action director and a sci-fi comedy writer. So my, Lexi Alexander is my is my action director because she's done all these like superhero action sorts of things, and my writer is a writer named Carrie Kirkpatrick. Mike, do you recognize that name? No. Uh, he is the best choice as writer, I think, is because he wrote the movie adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, really? Yep. I mean, if you want uh, sci-fi comedy, yeah. I mean, yeah, he adapted it. Um, he adapts a lot of stuff. It looks like he did James and the Giant Peach. Oh, he uh, did. That was so good. And Spiderwick Chronicles, which was adapted, uh, and Charlotte's Web. I don't know. And how Smurfs he, too. Smurfs too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was the the one that really like? <laughs> oh, I mean, he, I've never seen he it. also oh. did the new version of Charlotte's Web, and mm. he does a lot of kids movies. That's true. Yeah, it's mostly kids movies and adapting movies. It looks like. I mean, that is his bread and butter. It would appear to be. I, I picked him specifically because we're doing a sci-fi comedy, and I went out and I specifically found the guy who did. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, specifically for you, Mike. Yeah. I will say, because I've consumed, like, every form of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie is not all that different from the radio play or the television series or even the first book. Like, I felt like the movie version is just kind of putting in... I don't think writing the movie version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was that great of a feat, because all of the material is already there in script This was a gift for you, Mike. This was a gift, and you're just throwing it on the ground. (laughs) <laughs> you can take your gift to me and shove it up your ass. That's not where gifts go, usually. Well, I don't know. I, I got a, I have a gift or two that's gone there. So, yeah. Brett, who did you have for writer and director? Writer and director, I, I did not. I'll be honest, I didn't prepare for this, but because uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't know a lot of writers and directors. But when when I was rethinking this, like, um, when I was rethinking like the whole storyline mixed with how this story would be taken in the 2018 context. I couldn't stop thinking about Rick and Morty and <laughs> oh, just because of, you know, because it's like, you know, it, it does deal with, with aliens and, and eventually points to like different, you know, dimensions and the infinite nature of, of space. So I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I would go with those two head writers, but rather like, like pick and choose from, from somebody who's, like maybe on that staff or something like that. Yeah, but Dan Harmon, who uh, is the creator of Rick and Morty, also wrote like Monster House. Yeah, and he might be great for it though, because I like. I kind of like the idea of Dan Harmon writing and Lexi Alexander directing. I like I I like that idea too. I would my suggestion for it would be that I would say Dan Harmon should do a like a joke pass through the script. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we would get we would get whoever it is to do just like the main bulk of the script and uh-huh. like. Who did the who did the joke pass for Doctor Strange? Was that Dan Harmon or was that as Dan Harmon? But they left a lot of it on the floor. Yeah. They they did, but like something like that, like what he did for Doctor Strange. But you know, listen to him this time, <laughs> or or like a like a, kind of along those lines, like a, a Patton Oswalt type uh, overview of this, or as like some sort oh. of consultant because Ooh, I, Patton would be good too because I know that he would be 
you know, extremely sharp when it comes to the the nitty gritty of of you know how this how this exists among like the other Marvel universe or the, or the comic book world or whatever, but also have like really smart jokes that do point to like real life because I actually like Patton Oswalt as a suggestion, but more than I like Dan Harmon, I think yeah. Pat would be a really good choice for this. Yeah, Cause he doesn't, he hasn't done much writing. Has he? No, I, I again, for, as a joke pass, not as our core writer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I, I could, I could relate this to like, I, I want to see this person's comedic sensibility, you know, woven through, woven through the script. And I feel like how, I don't know. Go ahead. How about the idea of like a writing t- team of Pat Oswalt, Dan Harmon, and Rob Schraub, who also co-wrote Monster House, right? Which also kind of makes me come up with a new idea for Agent J instead of Kate McKinnon, because Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon also worked on the Sarah Silverman show. What about Sarah Silverman as Agent J? J for Jewish. Get it, Sam? <laughs> I mean, I, I I love Sarah Silverman. My honest take on that is she might be too old because she's she's about your age, isn't she, Mike? She's two years older than me. I would what I would say is I would go to her and say, who would you cast for this role? Like who are, who among the people that, that you see as like up and coming? Who who would benefit from a starring role in the new Men in Black? We wanted to have like yeah the Sarah Silverman. I mean, I. Uh, casting pass as opposed to a joke pass, I suppose. Well, then why don't we do this? Why don't we take uh, Mike's idea? And so the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie, James Gunn directed it and he also was one of the writers, but he wasn't the only writer. There were two other writers. It was a writing team of uh, Dan Abnett and Nicole Perlman. Uh, who do I have a new idea then for a writing team. Pat okay. Oswald and Brian Posehn. Because ah. Brian Posehn also was writing on the Deadpool comic for a little bit and also wrote a comic book called, I, I think it's called like The Last Christmas and can write comedic comic book um, action adventure really well too. And I want to see Pat Oswalt and Brian Posehn actually get a script made. I'm good with that. That yeah. like those two working together on this script would sell me absolutely. Yeah, with uh, with Brian Posehn, you know, his connection to Mr. Show, especially with like the David Cross aspect, he like who was the guy on Mr. Show who also played the cop in Arrested Development? Do you know who I'm talking about? I do, but I don't know um, the guy's name. Possibly. Anyway, like I would want him to be the cop, like like one of the cops that that show up around because i think that's another like opportunity for casting like a a small role where like i just want to see this person as a cop you know what i mean i mean whoever that i don't know that guy's name but you can certainly make him the cop at the beginning who uh mikey tries to eat yes yes perfect <laughs> are you thinking jay johnston i think so yep Maybe, yep um uh i'm trying to think who else but yeah i mean yeah the 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 nerd slash comedy slash real life aspect that Patton and uh brian posein will bring to the yeah to the script i think is perfect for the for the comedic beats in this cool yeah, let's go with that. Mike, why don't you give us our walkthrough? Okay, so it is the privatized Men in Black Interstellar crowdfunded by Goofondme to get the UFO joke in there, which isn't a stretch <laughs> at all. It's set today, so we can really comment on handguns and aliens. The ball is played by Flubber, <laughs> and the worms are minions. Uh, it is written by Pat Oswalt and Brian Posehn, directed by Lexi Alexander. Frank the Pug is played by Doug the Pug. And starting in order of appearance, I believe, in the movie, would be Agent D is Stan Lee. Agent K is Dennis Haysbert. The random cop is Jay Johnston from Mr. Show. Agent J is Kate McKinnon. Uh, Zed is Robin Wright. Edgar is Sam Rockwell. Beatrice is, we're going to CG together, Ellie Kemper and Martha Plimpton. <laughs> Done. And, sold. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. The Jar Jar uh, of the series. Um, yep. The coroner, Laurel, who becomes... Agent L is Stephanie Beatriz, and Jeebs is John Roberts. The morgue attendant is David Cross again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Is- so, Brett, 
Tell us where you exist on the internet. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brett underscore Mercer underscore. Same thing for Instagram. Uh, check out my podcast, Big Time Garbage. It's a lot of fun. What's uh, what's your podcast about? Uh, we It's just me and two other like Detroit stand-ups. We, we talk about like, current events and just try to make jokes. We, that's really It's really just a writing session that we record, basically. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, it's mostly current events and, and comedy news and stuff like that. But we just hang out. Check it you out. You guys have so much great chemistry together too on that show i like the first one that i listened to where you were talking about being the number one comedy podcast (laughs) and it just kind of reminded me like you were cutting a wrestling promo (laughs) at the beginning talking about taking down the wtfs and everything and uh, it's a lot of fun yeah yeah i mean it's basically like you know i'm into like news politics and comedy and and it's we just yeah our personality just bounces off of each other um I'm the only one who doesn't like sports. I'm the only one who likes music. Like there's, there's just, it just, I don't know. It's, it's great. It's fun. It's a good shorthand for me too. As I'm trying to figure out who are the people I'm supposed to be paying attention to around town. <laughs> I just look and see who you guys have had on the show. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a good person. I should pay attention to them next time I see them on stage. <laughs> right on. You heard it here first. Big time garbage, the tastemakers. Yes. <laughs> and I like that Ray is into the same shitty metal that I'm into. Oh yeah. So yeah. That makes it fun too. <laughs> yeah. Me and Ray talk about music and Blaine tunes out. Blaine and Ray talk about wrestling and i tune out <laughs> we all talk about comedy and we all have something to uh or me and blaine talk about politics it's a whole thing you can cut most of this out but yeah that's what's <laughs> yeah. no it's great we like you talking about the things that you do hell yeah that's yeah, that's why so you're fun. here beautiful hey thank you guys so much for having me this was so much fun good glad you yeah. glad you enjoyed it yeah. um mike we all know that you're online at off the mic o-f-f-t-h-e-m-i-k-e look me up on twitter which is at sam gash s-a-m-g-a-s-c-h And if you enjoy this episode, please recommend us to a friend. That is the greatest thing you could possibly do for us, and it'd be the greatest support that we can have. If you enjoy the show, tell the friend. If you don't enjoy it, tell us. Trixie's Bar on April 10th. We've got comedian Dave Ross coming through. He's doing a countrywide tour. You've seen him on Comedy Central's Corporate uh, Drunk History. This is not happening. It's very funny. Come check it out. I'll be hosting. we got Ken Ken Whiskell, Sam Rager, and... I can't remember who's bringing with him. Fuck, I fucked up the, the, the plug. But yeah, comedian Dave Ross, April 10th, Trixie's Bar. Check it out. Sounds awesome. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Ideal Remake. You have been a wonderful audience, as always, and we'll see you on Facebook.